Spirit of God hovered over the waters at the moment of creation. Like the universe exploding outward from the single spark of God's word. So the church became real. Put your hand on the ground. The earth itself is vibrating. The mountains, the oceans, the deserts, the creatures that live here are all breathing in. The planet is inhaling. Imagine the song it will sing, the song of Pentecost. Joy enveloped the disciples. Their words were understood and welcomed. Their joy was contagious. Their message was heard and translated and shared. The church moved into the world, bringing light, bringing love, covering all there was. There was no denying it. There was no going back. The church as we know it was born. God, we feel your presence. Let us use it. Let us take this rush, this moment, this Pentecost, shouting into a world that is bored stiff by life. We have been made aware of the presence of the creator of the universe. Give us the strength to keep it going. God is real. The church is born. The song goes on and everyone can sing. Amen.
Catherine, I sure do wish you liked to sing. Yeah, sure, sure. Join me in our call to worship this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Send us your Holy Spirit, O Lord. Fill us with Pentecostal power. Give us courage and strength. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you all for coming and joining us here for worship this morning. I am glad to be able to see all of you in the house of the Lord. This is Pentecost Sunday. It is the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. And it was a day of true celebration, a day that gave birth to the church that we know. We are glad to be able to be here and to celebrate this and to be able to remember that on this Memorial Day weekend, we are able to come to church and we are able to, to, to worship without worry of being harassed by government or others because there have been men and women who've been willing to sacrifice their lives to give us the gift of this freedom. On this Memorial Day weekend, we come to this place to remember them and to celebrate the opportunity to be here and to experience that, that, that gift of the Spirit that comes to us. Thank you for coming and joining us. If this is your first time here, there should be a Connect card in the pew rack right in front of you. We would ask you to take that and fill it out. Let us know that you've been here. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome to you as well. You can write us at the address you'll see on your screen and let us know that you have been with us. If you have prayer requests, write us and tell us that. And we'll be happy to respond to those as well. But we're glad to have you and we're glad that you're joining us for worship. Today is a day that the Lord has made as a gift to us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for what this day means in our history. Thank you for those who have sacrificed their lives to give us the opportunity to be here and to live as free people and to celebrate as a free church. We come to you today, O oh Lord, knowing that you are the giver of life and you are the giver of love, you are the giver of hope, and through your Holy Spirit, we can know all of those gifts. Help us, O oh Lord, to experience the wonder of that Spirit in our lives today and help us to live as Spirit-filled people both when we are in the church building and when we are out in the world becoming the church. Make it true, make it so. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
of this day is absolutely the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It changed everything and the church would go on to change the world from that day. Yet as we come to this day it is also important. In fact it would be remiss for us not to remember those who have sacrificed their lives to give us the opportunity to be here. As we watch the video that we are going to see in just a second about this very thing, I want you to remember two things as you watch it. Every word that you will hear in this video was written to a grieving family by an officer of the United States military. And every picture that you will see is of an individual who sacrificed their lives so that we could have freedom. Let's watch this together. Mr. and Mrs. Bigman. Dear Mrs. Cushman. We regret to inform you that your husband has been killed in action. The tragic loss of your son has shocked all of us deeply. I extend my most profound sympathy to you on the recent loss of your daughter, who laid down her life on the field of battle. It is nearly impossible to find the words to say to the parents of one who has been killed in war. Some measure of comfort may be derived from the knowledge that he died in the service of his country and in the defense of a peace-loving people. Her enthusiasm and discipline marked her as an outstanding soldier, and as such, she commanded the respect of the officers and fellow soldiers of this unit. I am confident that his devotion to duty at the cost of all hell dear will hasten the day when ruthless aggression shall disappear from the face of the earth. I am proud to have served with him. Our faith enables us to withstand the shock and grief of death. It is my earnest prayer that Almighty God will sustain and strengthen you in this hour of trial. While the loss of your beloved one will be a hardship, we know that no life is truly lost for those who have faith in God. To all of you who have received these letters of condolence, and to all the brave men and women who gave their lives in defense of freedom, we remember you and honor you today. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, you have been our help in ages past, a steady hand when we have trembled, a solid rock when the waters rose above us. And we thank you for the many times you have come to our aid, even in times when we may not even realize we were in danger. But you have saved us to this very moment and you've brought us together in this place as brothers and sisters in Christ to, to worship you. So help us to remember our past, O oh God. Help us to realize that we are inseparably linked to all who have preceded us and also to all who will come after us. 
and that we have a duty to remember and a duty to be responsible toward future generations. This morning on this Memorial Day weekend, we come to remember and give thanks to honor the memory of all who have joined in humanity's struggle on our behalf. Some of them are family, some are friends, others are completely unknown to us, but they are all important for their lives were given for us who are alive today. So we remember all the men and all the women who have died to protect our freedom and the freedom of others, and we are forever indebted to them for their great sacrifice. Oh God, even as we remember with gratitude the, the courage and strength of those that have served and died in defense of our freedom, we hold before you those who mourn for them. As this day brings them memories of those they love, may it also bring consolation. May it bring comfort. Give them your peace in their hearts. We thank you also, God, for others of our own community of faith that have passed on since this time last year to their eternal reward. We were privileged to know them and embrace them, and we remember them this day with a sense of gratitude. And so thinking, we honor them. For surely, just as we touched them with our hands, they touched our spirits and left their mark upon our lives. Be with all this morning who grieve the loss of loved ones. May they be comforted with the knowledge of your presence and your love and the hope of eternal life. And help us as a church family as we have opportunity to comfort them with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted from you when we were afflicted and suffered pain and the absence of loved ones in our own lives, we ask that this day of remembrance would be a day of peace and of healing. Oh God, on this day of Pentecost, as we celebrate the coming of your Spirit and the birth of your church, we pray that you would send your Spirit upon us, come like a rushing wind that sweeps away all barriers, all obstacles that would divide us. Come like tongues of fire and set our hearts aflame that we may be more devoted and, and committed to you. Come with love that binds us together in mission and ministry. So come, Holy Spirit, renew us, liberate us, abide in us, burn your righteousness into our hearts, make us bold in our witness, reconcile us to you and with one another, Guide us to discern your will and to follow your ways. Make us into the church you call us to be. And may your spirit fill our worship even this hour. For we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Hello to all. Uh, my name is Homain Jafari. Uh, I am great to see you. وقتی روز پنتاگون فرا رسید همه در یک مکان با هم بودند ناگهان صدایی مانند وزش باد باد شدید از بهشت آمد و تمام خانه‌ای که در آن نشسته بودند پر شد آنها زمانه‌هایی از آتش را دیدند که از هم جدا شدند و روی هر یک از آنها آرام گرفت همه آنها با روح القدس پر شدند و به زمانهای دیگر صحبت کردند همانطور که روح آنها قادر ساخت I am not very good at giving Thank you. Uh, hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Angela. I am from Peru. Um, I am very glad to be here with us. Cuando llegó el día de Pentecostés, estaban todos juntos en un solo lugar. De repente, un sonido como el soplo de un viento violento vino del cielo y llenó toda la casa donde estaban sentados. Vieron lo que parecían ser lenguas de fuego que se separaban y descansaban sobre cada una de ellas. Todos ellos estaban llenos del Espíritu Santo y comenzaron a hablar en otras lenguas a medida que el Espíritu les permitía. Thank you. Good morning, church. I'm Anthony Yusuf. I'm from Nigeria. I will be reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 4 in Yoruba language. It says, I'm apostoli, orikeji, esaikenin, de esaikerin. Nigbati, ojo pentecosti, isi de, bubumon, fi, okokan, wani, ibikan. Lodigi, irosi, ti, oronwa, gegebi, iro, efufulile. Osi kungo go ile ni biti wangwe joko, ela aambi ina si yosi wang. Okme osi bale olukuluku wang. Bobo wang si kungfon e mimimon, wang si beresi fi edemiran soro, gegebi e miti fi fun wani hong. Thank you so much. through their own languages so that we can understand the meaning of the scripture that we are looking at today. And it also highlights a bit of the diversity of our community and our church here. Hear these words. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was the sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. 
At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray together. God, let your spirit be upon this word that we have heard today. Let your spirit be upon this room. Let their spirit be upon our hearts and our souls and our minds. Open our minds to the message that you would have us here today. And help us, O oh Lord, to take seriously what it means to be a spirit-filled people for the God of the universe. For it's in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. I don't know about you, but it actually embarrasses me sometimes when I think about how different the contemporary church was to the church that broke loose on that first Pentecost Sunday 2,000 years ago. If I were to pick a word that describes the contemporary church in America, I think that word this year would probably be fearful particularly since COVID. A lot of churches have been afraid of the future. They've been afraid of what the church and what the, what the future was going to look like. According to the very latest surveys done just this year, somewhere between 25 and 40 percent, depending on what region of the country you live in, between 25 and 40 percent of regular churchgoers never came back to church after COVID, and a lot of churches are fearful for what that means. They, they're fearful fearful for what that's going to mean for their futures. On the other hand, if you were to pick one word that described the early church, I think the word that you would need to use would not be fear because they certainly were not guided by their fears. The word that I think we would need to pick would be excitement. The early church was excited about the future. They believed in the future. And the reason they were so excited and so faithful was because of what happened on the day of Pentecost. The word Pentecost actually means 50 because it was a Jewish festival that always happened 50 days after the Passover. And every Jew lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem was supposed to find a way to be able to be at that festival. But the truth is, there were Jews from all over the Roman Empire who came to that festival because Pentecost was a celebration. One scholar called it the World's Fair of Judaism. The Jewish people went to Jerusalem to enjoy themselves and, and to enjoy their faith. But 
the Jesus people were not enjoying themselves on that first Pentecost because the Jesus people were scared. Jesus was gone. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for something special to happen. So far, absolutely nothing special had happened. And now they were in Jerusalem in an upper room and they were surrounded by the people who had nailed Jesus to the cross. That particular Pentecost wasn't a festival for the church. Those people were in the upper room. They were scared and they were miserable. Jerusalem was a city that killed people for believing the wrong things and it was the wrong thing to believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, the church was hiding that day on that first Pentecost Everybody else was celebrating, but the Jesus people were hiding and they were praying for whatever it was that God was going to send, but they were also praying diligently to not die. But then all of a sudden, this noise broke out of nowhere. This noise that sounded like a tornado started descending upon their room. But the tornado was not coming from outside in. It was coming from inside out. And then all of a sudden, everybody started speaking in different languages, which would have been fine if they had actually known those languages, but they didn't. Those people were from Israel, and most of them were illiterate. They couldn't read their own language, much less somebody else's. But now, they're speaking in the languages of the people on the street, those foreigners who came to the came to Jerusalem for that party, they're speaking in their languages. And now those foreigners are gathering outside that house because they also heard that tornado and they wanted to come and see what was going on. Folks, I've lived through two tornadoes. I know what a tornado sounds like. It, you've heard it sounds like a freight train. That's exactly what it sounds like. But freight trains don't come through houses unless they're off the track. Tornadoes don't break out in houses either. But this one did. It broke out in that house. And when it did, the people came running to try to see what was going on and what was, what was going to happen. And when they did, suddenly the doors of that house flew open and the Jesus people came running out and they were excited because they had experienced the power <coughs> and the joy of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that power changed their fear into faith. One minute they were in hiding in the attic and in the next minute, and it, they were transformed into something powerful and something that could not be stopped. The Apostle Paul said, Be not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The Jesus people had just been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Their minds had been renewed, and now life has come. They have become the life of the party of God and nothing was going to be able to stop them. In other words, the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church that day and the first characteristic of that first church was a contagious excitement that was born from unity. Those people burst out of that room as a unified church 
And they couldn't tell their story well enough to, to, to even stop for a breath. They, they had to tell everything that they had just seen. I'm telling you, folks, nothing but a miracle could have made that happen on that day because those people who were in hiding in that house were about as diverse as any group of people that you would ever find on this earth. Those people were farmers and, and fishermen and tax collectors. They were prostitutes and thieves. They were well-educated people and illiterate people. There were mothers, there were fathers, there were children, there were grandchildren, there were marrieds, there were singles. There were even a couple of Pharisees in the group. You couldn't have found a better recipe for failure than you had in that attic that day on that first Pentecost Sunday. In fact, if you ask experts in leadership to give you a proven formula for success, almost all of them will tell you that the church should have failed that day because they didn't have any of the ingredients that we think are necessary for success. I looked at four books on leadership when I was getting ready for this sermon. They all said some version of the same thing. They said, if you want to succeed, you need to have the best and the brightest. You need to have the best educated people that you can find. You need to have a group of people who have a common vision with common ideas. They need to have a common interest that's as strong as possible. And you need to have common goals and a common vision. Now, if all of that is true, then somebody needs to give Jesus some lessons in leadership because Jesus didn't have any of that. He didn't pick any of those things when he was picking the people for his church. About all they did have, quite frankly, was a common vision. Those people in that upper room didn't have much of anything else. Those people in that house were so diverse that they would never have come together under any other circumstance except in the circumstance that they were finding themselves in there. Basically, the only thing that they had in common was Jesus, and they still didn't fully understand him. The early church should have failed, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit showed up. And when it did, that group of diverse nobodies came bursting out of that house filled with the gifts of excitement, courage, and a contagious spirit. And before that day was over, 3,000 people had given their lives in faith to Jesus Christ and they had been baptized into the church. And the church started growing by leaps and bounds from that very day. And from that day on, the Roman Empire and the values of the world were under siege by these new values and this new hope that had been birthed through that church. By the time the children who were in that upper room had grown up, the Christian faith had grown from 120 people in one house in one attic to a half million believers. And the church had become such a threat to the Roman Empire that the, church, that the Romans were doing everything they could think of to try to destroy the church. That's a wonderful story. It's an amazing story. It's a story that we can learn from. It's a story that we need to embrace. But while we're thinking about it, let's compare that for just a minute to the church of Blacksburg, Virginia. On the day of Pentecost, there was one church in the entire world 
to give witness to Jesus Christ. Only one. In Blacksburg, we have over 40 churches in this town. On that first Pentecost Sunday, it never crossed the minds of those people that one spirit-filled church couldn't change the world with the power that they had just experienced in that upper room. In Blacksburg, we have over 40 churches and the Christian faith is declining all over this town. One church in Jerusalem was the catalyst for evangelizing the entire world. We have over 40 churches in Blacksburg, but all of those churches together can't seem to produce a growing witness for Jesus. Folks, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong when the most commonly used words in the American church are either, we can't, or we won't. And yet we hear those all of the time. Either we can't do that, we don't have that capability, or we won't do that, we won't change, we won't make the, the changes that we need to make in order to become a viable witness to the community. We can't and we won't are the four words that prescribe death to the Christian faith. A few weeks ago, Rebecca Winger and I had an unscheduled meeting with a couple who came by the church. Their daughter's coming to Virginia Tech next year, and they were wanting to know if we knew of any apartment that was available for her to live in. This couple goes to a Baptist church, but this woman works for the Presbyterian church. Would you like to know what her only job is with the Presbyterian church? It is to dispose of unused church buildings. That's all she does all day long. They're in charge of closing the churches and selling the property. The church has employed people to do this because they have so many churches that have closed that they have to have a full-time employee to try to get rid of the property. The church in Europe has been doing that same thing for years. Now it has come to America. The church at Jerusalem said a lot of things after the Holy Spirit came, but not one time did they ever say, we can't or we won't, because they knew if the church is empowered by that spirit that they had experienced that morning, they could do whatever they needed to do to make that grace come to life in this world. Nothing is impossible with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian church grew from 120 scared and hiding believers to 3,120 missionaries in one day. Those people knew nothing is impossible with God. They truly believed the power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they could change the world. They could change. They could become what God needed them to become. A unified people with a godly purpose can change things through the power of the Holy Spirit no matter what the situation is that they're facing. And you don't have to look any further than this church and this town to find a powerful example of this. 
Back in 2008, one of our church members, Brian Cloyd, started a mission effort in the village of Conge in the mountains of Haiti. Our church and the Methodist church partnered up in, in, in working with Brian, and, and we managed to plant a church and a school there in that village of Conge. However, in 2010, Haiti had a massive earthquake that totally destroyed the capital city of Port-au-Prince. That country was the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere before that situation arose. The earthquake certainly didn't make that any better. The village of Conj was not damaged at all by that earthquake. Their problem was that they had hundreds of refugees that came up into the mountains and, and came to their village. Those people had been in Port-au-Prince. The city had been destroyed. They didn't have anything to eat, so they just started walking, trying to find any place that had some food for them to eat. Hundreds of them ended up in Conj. Pastor Lanus was the leader of the church that had been planted there. He got in touch with Brian Cloyd and he told him that they needed food for these people. He said that his church people were sharing all of the food that they had, but they didn't have enough to make it last. Brian called me. I called the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Cooperative Baptist Fellowship got me in touch with World Vision International. World Vision said that they could get us three box trucks full of food from Stop Hunger Now in the Dominican Republic, provided that we could send three people to drive those trucks and provided that we could raise $30,000 to pay for that food. <coughs> there was... Um, an Episcopal church in North Carolina who heard about this situation and they wanted to help. And so we sent out emails to our church and to the Methodist church and to the Episcopal church and we asked each church to try to raise $10,000. And then we went ahead and bought three plane tickets for three people to go down there and drive those trucks even before we had the money to be able to do it. As soon as we did that, we all started praying. Our church staff prayed. Our prayer groups prayed. Our deacons prayed. The Methodist church's staff prayed. Their prayer groups prayed. The Episcopal church that was helping us had a prayer service for this event. We sent out that email at 10 o'clock one morning. By 10 o'clock the next morning, our church had donated $11,000 to this cause. The Methodist church had donated just over $11,000 to this cause. The North Carolina church had donated just over $10,000 to this cause. Those three men flew to the Dominican Republic. They picked up those trucks that afternoon. They drove all day and all night to that village in Haiti when those trucks arrived in Conj. Pastor Lanus's church had just enough food to last for the rest of that day. Our group took them enough food for those refugees to have three meals a day for three months. And somewhere along the line, they also managed to round up enough tents from that group to be able to house all of those people. We didn't even ask for tents. We ended up with a bunch of them. Three churches in two states accomplished that miracle in less than 90 hours. I am telling you folks, I'm tired of hearing we can't or we won't because we can and we will. That's what God wants us to be and do. 
if three churches in two states can do all of that in 90 hours, can you imagine the spiritual impact we can have in this town if we will just decide to do it? If we will just not argue about things that we don't agree on and unite around the one thing that we do agree on, and that is that Jesus Christ can change things. And he can change people. Glory Hill Church of God in rural North Alabama was founded in 1946. In 2001, it had 62 members. Its average attendance was 41. They had a small white frame building that sat out in the country. It didn't have any plumbing at all. It didn't have air conditioning. The church didn't have a pastor, and the bishop was trying to decide whether he was going to close the church or keep it open. While he was deciding, he sent this young, green, inexperienced pastor to be the caretaker of the church until he could decide. The pastor just got up and preached to that lethargic group of people for three months. But after three months, the guy got tired of waiting for the bishop to decide what he was going to do. So he called a meeting, and he asked all of his church members to come. When they showed up, he asked them one question. He said, do you want to close your church, or do you want to count for Jesus? 38 people attended that meeting. 38 people said they wanted to count for Jesus. So that day, they made some decisions. They decided that they were going to do whatever they needed to do to try to reach people for Jesus Christ. The first thing they did, and this one ought to resonate with us, first thing they did was they changed the name of their church. They changed it from Glory Hill Church of God to Daystar Church. And then in 2002, they relaunched their ministry to that community in that same white frame building that had no plumbing and had no air conditioning. They still didn't have any of the things that some people think that they ought to have in order to be successful. The church was almost 11 miles from the nearest town. In 2001, they started its ministry. Today they have 4,400 members. And half of those people are all new believers who have been baptized into the faith. 38 people decided that they would do whatever they needed to do to try to reach their community for Christ. And when they did, the Holy Spirit poured its power on those people. Today, 4,400 members worship in that church, and they have a nationwide mission program. There isn't one thing that any church can't do if it will make the commitment to do it and if they will pray for the Holy Spirit to bless it. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The key words in that verse is, through Christ. Peter quoted the prophet Joel when he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. By the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible with Jesus. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us if we will open our lives to the power of the Spirit. We can be transformed and we can experience the miracle of God and that miracle can pour through us to the world that's around us and things will change.
Let's pray together. Lord, things do need to change. The first thing that needs to change is us. We need to be changed from the inside out. Just as that tornado broke out inside that house, we need you, O oh Lord, to break out within our souls and to fill us with your love. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your mercy. Fill us with your kindness. Fill us with the spirit of oneness and with the spirit of hope. Fill us, O oh Lord, with your presence that we might be able to live and, and be what you would have us be and do in this world. It all starts from within our souls, Lord. We can believe in you with our heads all that we want to. We can believe that there is a God and that it's a God of love, but until that love becomes real in our hearts, we will be nothing but a believer. We will not be a person of faith. Lord, help us to know that what's missing from our lives is you. Help us have the courage and the strength and the commitment and the faith to say, Lord Jesus, come and live in my heart. Live inside me. Make me the person that you would have me be. Fill me with the strength that I need for my, the life that I live every day. Fill me with the excitement that I need to know that I can have a purpose in this world that hell itself can't even stop. Come and live within our souls today, O oh Lord. Make us the people who are willing to pray for your salvation. Make us the people who are willing to live that salvation into a world that desperately needs it. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I can see waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear. All God's children singing out, we will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same when he speaks the same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us lives in us lives in us lives in us we have hope that his promises are true in his strength there is nothing we can do Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, 
Jenny, if you've come here today and you've chosen to give your life to Jesus Christ in faith, we'll be here at the close of the service. If you'll come see any of us on the staff or any of our deacons, we'll try to help you with the next steps in your faith as we move forward toward baptism. If you would like to join our church and be part of our mission, we would love to have you. If you'll come and tell us, we'll help you with that as well. As we leave this room that we call the church, we are going into the world where we are called to be the church. Let's do the best that we know how to, to give witness to the spirit that lives within our hearts. And let's have confidence that through that spirit, we can make a difference. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.